from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Carly. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. This week we're talking about Snapchat, why you'll never be a teenager ever again. We ask the question, where are my male feminists at? Apparently nowhere on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And we pay homage to Downton Abbey, which is going off into the sunset. Maybe a couple years too late. I have a quiz. We Mm. love those. Mm. And some shady moments from the Dowager Countess Maggie Smith. Toodaloo. (laughs) So first things first, Carly, tell us why we are too old for Snapchat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel my youth slipping away as just as this conversation It is. done slipped. Okay, it slipped. It's, it's past tense. There is no faster way to feel super old than to read up on technology that young people are using. An article on BuzzFeed called My Little Sister Taught Me How to Snapchat Like the Teens in which this BuzzFeed writer goes on a quest as kind of mentored by his younger teenage sister on how to use Snapchat, like she and her friends do. And if you haven't read this, it is a terrifying read because it will just bring home to you how alien this technology is to anyone who is over the age of 19, 20. Because like, there's no rule that people who aren't teenagers can't use Snapchat. But even if you think you're using it proficiently and using it well, you will never use it like a teenager. It's a different plane. And that's something this article makes really clear. Like frequency. If a teenager gets a Snapchat, it demands a response instantly. When someone Snapchats me, I see it like two hours later. Yeah. That's how it works. And that is not how a teenager uses Snapchat. And if they want to convey something, it'll always be like overlaid over a selfie. Whereas us olds don't (laughs) tend to do that. I usually open it right when it's about to expire because I don't check it that often. And instead of responding with a selfie or with anything, I'm just like, oh, okay. I didn't really need to see that. The whole point is the time sensitivity. And if you're seeing it and responding anything less than like minutes afterwards, that's not the point. You've lost the point and you're not using Snapchat the way it's intended to be. What's interesting is that the teen in this article that you're referencing says parents don't understand. It's about being there in the moment. And it's kind of funny that They seem to think that Snapchat is about being in the moment with their friends through this digital device. But she also says, there's not a time when I'm not on it. I do it while I watch Netflix. I do it at dinner. And I do it when people around me are being awkward. So technically, she's not in the moment, the present moment. (laughs) But not as we understand it. (laughs) Right. There's a whole different idea of what being in the moment is. Oh, for sure. Like the the path is diverged and we're on one path and they are on another. Yeah. And we will never meet up ever again. Like streaks. Did you read the thing in the article about going on streaks where you'll um, be exchanging selfies with a friend and you you have to keep it up, otherwise you break the streak? That part was scary. It's exhausting. I had to Google what a streak was. (laughs) And you know why? You did not get the right (laughs) You know why? It's because I am a NARP. Non-athletic regular person. Oh my god! A bit of terminology that's used in this article. Yeah. Which gives rise to the question, (laughs) is there such a thing as an ARP? An athletic regular person? I know there's underwhelmed and I know there's overwhelmed, but is there just whelmed? Mm, is I there whelmed. just harp? I love his response to a sister. Him, by the way, is Ben Rosen, who wrote the article. He 
says, oh, so I'm basic. And then she's like, yeah, that's what that means. (laughs) So we're all NARPs. Yeah, basic NARPs, apparently. Kind of are. But I genuinely, I feel like this is what 35-year-olds must have felt like when the Beatles came out. (laughs) Like in 1964 or something when they were like, what is this? Yeah. I think Snapchat for me is an exercise in being okay with something not being for me. And I can participate in it if I want to, but it's just never going to be what Instagram feels like for me or what other things from our generation were. And that's okay. So you're not going to like start watering your lawn and shaking your fists at these teenagers? Well, you definitely shouldn't water your lawn. There's a drought. (laughs) That's true. If you're in California, do not water your lawn. (laughs) Okay. So let's just sum up some of the things I learned from this article. Number one. Brooke, who is the writer's little sister, who is kind of taking him under her wing to teach him Snapchat, she refers to one girl that she knows using 60 gigs of data every month (laughs) on her cell phone plan to use Snapchat. Grounded. Who has the money? Her parents, apparently, because Mm -hmm. her plan is still valid. (laughs) My plan would have been cut a long time ago. Again, as we mentioned, the streaks, apparently they are the most important thing on Snapchat. And it's when you send a snap to one of your friends on consecutive days. You have to make sure to respond every day with a snap or you break the streak. So a streak is a daily thing. I'm exhausted. Can't keep up. Another one of the writer's sources who was referred to as... Elspitch in the article. (laughs) I remember her fondly. Her advice is don't overload your story. And for those who don't know, a Snapchat story is basically um, a little stitching together of your individual snaps. So your story can be a video and a picture and another video. But Elspitch says, don't overload your story. Nobody wants to sit and watch five videos. One video max. I think it's very relevant to point out at this particular juncture that Jamidra and I are, in our daily lives, social media professionals. (laughs) I think that's an important note. And of course, we use Snapchat. We use it all the time, but we don't use it like teenagers. And the last thing I learned from this, which is really embarrassing... VSCO, you often see that hashtag on Instagram. Vosco Cam. Didn't know it's pronounced Vosco Cam. Yeah. Didn't know that. I'm younger than you. You are. (laughs) You're not. In spirit. (laughs) So I think we close this out in the same way that the article closes out, which is advice from Brooke and else bitch. Be a boss to snap like a boss. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, just own yourself, own your age. Don't try to be a teenager in anything, I would say. Not Snapchat and not in the way you dress, not in the way you act. It's not you. You don't need to do it. So just be comfortable with the fact that you are getting older and you will die. (laughs) (laughs) But time makes you bolder. Even children get older. Getting older too. Let me start this next segment by asking a quick question. Do it. Emmanuel, do you consider yourself a feminist? Duh. Carly? Ditto. I do as well. But apparently Twitter is lacking. A lot of male feminists right well, now. Hmm. Feminism is a controversial prospect. The yeah. idea of treating people equally or treating them equally even. Well, as Jerry Hollywell, Ginger Spice, once said, feminism is bra-burning lesbianism. Oh. So not everyone wants to get with that. Not everybody wants to burn their bras on Twitter. And Maybe you... she was just going for the rhyme there. <laughs> she's a lyrical genius she that is. we've learned. Guys, she's a songwriter. Well, we learned this lesson last week with the uh, free Kesha hashtag. Are you guys up on that? Yes. Indeed. Yes. So for those of you who aren't, I won't go too deep into the details, but Kesha is suing Dr. Luke because she wants out of her contract and she's been denied. 
And at this point, we should note that Kesha is actually making allegations that this record producer, Dr. Luke, sexually assaulted her. And this is one of the reasons that she wants out from this contract. Right. Right. Um, And so a Supreme Court judge has denied her injunction to leave the contract and record music with other labels. And so since then, you've had Kelly Clarkson, Lady Gaga, Demi Lovato, Ariana Grande, uh, Lily Allen, Fiona Apple, and Lord, and recently Adele have all come out in support of her. But noticeably absent are males in this equation. Not many men have publicly stood up or tweeted or shown support for Kesha, and a lot of people are asking why not. Well, sexual assault's just a women's problem, right? Ah, yeah, I forgot about that. In case you couldn't tell, how do we feel about that? Unfortunately, it's not surprising. No, some men have come forward, right? but most of them happen to be gay. So it just makes me think that you're more prone to be empathetic if you've had your own struggle. Oh, so you're saying it's kind of a, a privilege problem that folks who haven't had to deal with issues in their life before can't make that like imaginative leap to imagine what it must be like to be in these circumstances. If that's what you're saying, that's super depressing. Yeah. And I think it's just seen as, oh, I'm not going to get involved. That's too dramatic. And I'm just going to stay out of it. And well, keep in doing fairness, me. I mean, it's a legal issue. There are allegations being made. And while I can't empathize, I can understand why folks are reluctant to dip their toe in those waters on such a public platform while there's a court case going on. But it's really interesting that a lot of the women who I mentioned earlier have careers to look out for, right? Adele has a career that she has to protect. Taylor Swift definitely has a career that she has to protect. And given that, they felt comfortable speaking out. So I don't want to personally call anybody out, but I will go ahead. And um, there was a great piece by Noisy written by um, an op-ed by Emma Garland. And she asked the question, you know, why aren't we hearing from Sam Smith or Ed Sheeran, Coldplay, Bruno Mars, Macklemore, Justin Bieber, Will I Am? Like none of these male celebrities have done any sort of like public show of support. And I think you have a good point about like, because you mentioned some of the men who have supported her, who are YouTube personality Tyler Oakley, Brad Walsh, Perfume Genius, and also Jack Antonoff, they felt comfortable speaking out. And you said it's because you think that they are, a lot of them are gay? Three are gay. And then Jack Antonoff is dating Lena Dunham. So he's definitely a feminist is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, you bloody hope so. Yeah. He probably contributes to Lenny Letter, the whole bit. Right. I love what he said. If you, Kesha, want me to produce music for you and we can just leak it, Mm -hmm. I'm down. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. Interesting. So it was... I like when people are trying to be helpful, like with Taylor Swift giving her a quarter of a million dollars for her legal fees. Yeah, it's a fighting fund. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is like real life stuff that she needs help with. I can't imagine putting myself in her shoes and having to work with someone who you've publicly accused of sexually assaulting you. And that's the thing, because you strip away all of the the so-called glamour and the fame of it and the high profile. And what you've essentially got is a case of alleged workplace, not even harassment, assault, crime. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, when you bring it right down to small scale is happening every day. And I do wonder whether there's just an issue of presupposing truth telling when Mm -hmm. someone makes allegations like these. And I think some people always assume truth telling with this and some people prefer to sit on the fence. Well, yeah, Lena Dunham touched on that in her letter. She talked a lot about the way this case has been publicized, the way the judge has basically said you need to stay in this contract. What message does that send to women about speaking out? Yeah, you won't be believed. That's the message. She likened it to sort of like the Rolling Stone piece, that botched Rolling Stone article, where it sort of makes may make people sort of nervous to speak out against their accusers, especially in a public way, because maybe they won't be believed or... 
you know, they will be forced to still work with or, or work within the environment that they've said very publicly is unsafe for them. So Dr. Luke mentions UVA as a defense for himself, like, well, you saw what happened in UVA and people are wrongly accused all the time. And this is the Rolling Stone article that mm-hmm. you just mentioned. Right? And for me, I always believe the woman until proven otherwise, because women don't have much to gain from going out there and then being ridiculed and raked over the coals. You saw Kesha in court the other day crying while they're trying to figure out if she's a liar or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is all because she came forward and spoke her truth. Whatever happens out of this case... What we do know for sure is that rape culture is real, and the way she's been treated is abominable. It's just... Can I close with um, with Lena Dunham's words? Yes. And we Lena, can see take it I'll away. close with, it wasn't long ago that women in the public eye didn't have a loose enough leash to reach out and support one another for fear of losing all they had worked so hard to create. Instead, they quietly watched on their televisions, hoping they wouldn't be next. Those days are over. They are f***ing done. Ooh. So men, hop on it. Join the fight. <laughs> so as you guys know, since we work at a PBS station. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> JK. How did, how did they let us in here? Also an NPR station. Hey, mm-hmm. NPR. Yeah. Downton Abbey. You got to put the accent on. Is walking off into the sunset. Can you believe my accent? I'm so sorry. So good. (laughs) Can I just point out that one of my new favorite things to do is now to email Emmanuel YouTube clips of dialect coaches doing atrocious British accents. Oh, she's trolling me every day. And they're dialect coaches. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I just watched the one about Scouse accent, Liverpool. Yeah. Well, I saw the headline "World's Worst Scouse Accent" and I thought, oh my god, Emmanuel. <laughs> you need, I need to, I'm gonna get you a sash. You know, I would put up a defense, but it's true. I am the worst at British accents and Australian accents and all accents. And so. if you'd like to take Emmanuel out to drinks and hear his repertoire, tweet at KQED Pop. Yeah, Do take it. me out for drinks. Yeah. So, because my accent is so bad, I'm going to put it on one last time to pay homage to oh, so the Dowager Countess Maggie Smith, who is the queen of shade on the show. Yes, she is. She's the reason why I've watched all seasons. And here are some of my favorite things she said. Okay. Don't be defeatist, dear. It's very middle class. So your accent is amazing. Thanks. Where did you learn to do it? Uh, in Baltimore, apparently. It's really bad. <laughs> I'm from Baltimore, by the way. No shade, Baltimore. Is this revenge for all those British actors being in The Wire? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm st- there we go. Yeah. Full was, circle. Yeah, that's gnarly. Okay, so the Dowager says this to Lady Mary after she gets a haircut that's like a short bob. Oh, it's you. I thought there was a man in your clothes. Oh, <laughs> shade. Her son, who she kind of despises most of the time, comes down to dinner with a black tie, which at this time was informal. Mm. And she says... Oh, do you think I might have a drink? Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a waiter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's a good one. Can you say, but isn't she American? In a British voice? Yeah. Here's a conversation at dinner. I'm so looking forward to seeing your mother again. When I'm with her, I'm reminded of the virtues of the English. But isn't she American? Why am I having trouble doing a British (laughs) accent? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that again. But isn't she American? Precisely. 
You're, you're getting s- better as we go along, though. I dis- strongly disagree. You're getting worse. <laughs> you're kind of slipping into this kind of estuary, kind of your vowels. Uh... Oh, boy. I'm, I'm loving best. it, though. I don't mean to sound snide. <laughs> and the last one, to diss someone if they're just coming at you wrong. Did you drink at luncheon? Can I use that in every meeting now? When somebody gets sideways, did you drink at luncheon? With the accent and everything. Yeah. Luncheon. Luncheon. <laughs> okay, is? can we have an episode where Carly teaches us, like, how... The proper way can you like a my fair lady been trying to do it for months mate been trying to do it for months (laughs) so without further ado i've prepared a quiz to determine who of you is the lady of the manor yes and who is banished from yorkshire england you might as well go ahead and give carly that trophy right (laughs) (laughs) banish myself from yorkshire so jameter has not watched the show yeah so she doesn't know i've seen a few episodes but not good enough yeah and Carly has some knowledge about it, so I've picked harder questions that are a bit more obscure for her so that it's an even playing field. Okay. Yes, he's been feeling me out for several weeks to find out what I may or may not have forgotten, yes. which is very sneaky. Mm. Carly, Downton Abbey begins the day after A. Queen Victoria dies. B. World War I begins. C. The Titanic sinks. D. Suffragette Emily Davison is knocked down and killed by the king's horse at Epsom Derby. Oh my gosh. So, Queen Victoria died in the uh, very early 1900s. I know it's not the Titanic because that's an event on the show. I know it's not World War I because that's also an event on the show. So, I can't remember. Is it Queen Victoria or is it the Suffragettes? I will go with the Suffragettes. I have to tell you, you're wrong. Oh, how embarrassing considering my uh, my day job. <laughs> it was the Titanic sinks. No. Yes. No. Oh. In the I... first episode, the air has died in the Titanic, and oh. then everything's thrown into tumult because a distant cousin comes in. He's the next heir, and he's, like, middle class and random. Oh. They do not do the middle class. If that's one thing I know about Downton Abbey is they do not do the middle class. No. Okay. Jimmy Dram. All right, here we go. I'm sweating. In season one, mm-hmm. a Turkish diplomat dies while staying at Downton Abbey. Ooh. What's the cause? A. Choking on a rabbit bone at dinner. B. Falling off his horse and breaking his neck. Mm-hmm. C. Falling backwards out of a window during a fight. D. Suffering a heart attack while having sex. I just want to say C because I feel like that would be the best television to watch. Out of the window. Out of the window. And who was he fighting with? The Dowager Countess? Was she like, did she push him? Based on all those quotes, I could believe that she, no, she's too, she's too shady for that. She would have someone else push him and comment about it while he's going mm-hmm. down. Wait, okay. hang on. Do you imagine Downton Abbey as a show in which Maggie Seen has <laughs> constant fight scenes with people? Based on what I just heard, yes. Wonderful. So I have to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> Although that would have been majestic. He suffered a heart attack while having sex. That was my second choice. While um, having sexy well, sex with Lady Mary. Ooh. She killed him with her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce tried to tell you girls run the world. Carly, a lady's maid is paranoid she's getting fired and wants to take revenge by making her boss miscarry. <gasps> Ooh. How does she do it? A. Pushes her down the stairs. B. Makes her slip on a piece of soap. C. Puts trace amounts of poison in her food every day. D switches out her pills. Oh god, why can't I remember this? I know the lady's maid, she's horrible. 
I think it's the last one because poisoning someone's pretty full on and I think I would have remembered that. Hmm. So switching out her pills. Switching out her pills. I have to tell you you're wrong. No! She gingerly placed a piece of soap mm-hmm. and she slipped on it. <gasps> Death by soap. Gingerly, though, she did. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how the British do. <laughs> gingerly. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the few instances that the word gingerly has been used anywhere in the world in the last couple right of years. Right here. In season five, Jimmy Dren, mm-hmm. the eldest daughter, Mary, breaks it off with her suitor because A, his lack of status, B, he conspired against your father, C, he was a bad lay, Ooh. D, she was in love with someone else. Rude. Uh, I would say, I would say D. She was in love with someone else. Yeah. Sorry to say, he was a bad lay. Oh. <laughs> I love her. They had a sex vacation, and mm-hmm. then she came back and was like, definitely not happening. Done. Is this, this bad is not the same mess. one who killed the guy with her vagina? Yeah, same, same. lady. Oh. <laughs> she, she kills him with kindness. That's how yeah. she does it. <laughs> okay, Carly. Hi. In season four... Edith, the middle daughter's fiance, A, leaves her at the altar, B, is killed by Nazis while visiting Germany, C, is caught kissing her sister, D, is imprisoned for killing his ex-wife. Poor Edith. I know, poor Edith. He leaves her at the altar, doesn't he? One guy does, this guy doesn't. Oh, I fell right into your trap. Yep, he was killed by Nazis while visiting Germany. So... Zero, zero. Uh, Jimmy, it's your turn. If you get this, you win. Okay. If you don't, you're both banished forever. Do okay. I not get, like, half a point for the last one? No. <laughs> it all rides the stakes on are this. high. I will be the first black person they ever let into the manor. Make, <laughs> make history, Jimmy, come on. It's all riding on me. It's Black History Month. we got to do it. All right. Which misfortune does not befall hashtag poor Edith? Okay. Middle child. A. Her illegitimate child is kidnapped. B. Her fiancé has a secret wife in an asylum. C. A newspaper owner threatens to print the story of her out-of-wedlock pregnancy unless she does his bidding. D. She accidentally starts a fire and almost dies in it. So which does not happen does to not. her. Yeah. Three Meaning of these happened. The majority of these things have happened mm-hmm. to her. Hashtag Paul Reader. I'm going to go with D. She accidentally started a fire. That did not happen. You've just lost. No! Oh, my God. I am so sorry. It was C, the newspaper. Zero, zero. Victory is mine. Is it mine? Nearly mine? No. Almost mine? Both of us kicked out, girl. They they wouldn't let neither one of us through the gates. You guys also have been fired from PBS. (laughs) So it's been great doing a podcast with you guys. I've enjoyed it so much. Me too. I will say that the one good thing that's come out of this is I think I'm going to start watching the show now. Okay. Damage well, control. you've kind of missed the boat with it being on KQED because it's just ending. March 6th is the finale. But, you know, the internet exists. You can find it there. Also, you could read my recaps, which are hilarious. That's true. At KQED Pop. Blatant self-promotion. Yes, I just had to. Okay, so we always end every episode of the podcast by choosing a song, and my song this week is... 
disappointed by a band called Field Music. I will admit some kind of investment here because they are friends of friends and they are from my home region of England, which um, is obviously great. And I just really love the song. It reminds me of a lost Hall & Oates track. Let's listen. If you want this to be more few thanks are in order. Thanks, David Marcus, our podcast daddy. Thanks, Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our awesome theme music. And thanks to Jim Bennett for making us sound so great in the studio today. Catch us next week. Until then, follow us on social media at Kikuti Pop. Bye. 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 Bye.